I'm an ex-alcoholic, drug addict, criminal, hustler, womanizer, fighter, liar, manipulator, player, drug dealer, thief, abuser, hypocrite, and a worldly confused individual. My name is Ben Lively. I'm not who I was before. I'm a born-again child of the Most High God, anointed, chosen, set apart, and called to represent the gospel of Jesus Christ. I teach Christians the truth of God's word. I'm a mouthpiece for the Lord Jesus Christ. I will not compromise, play any games, or waste time with this mission from on high. I know that in and of myself, I am nothing. I need God for every breath I take and every move I make. I have Christ living in me, and I'm burning with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I'm different now and forevermore. This earth is not my home. I know that, and I declare it boldly. I'm strong in prayer, praying in power, and in the Spirit. I will preach, teach, deliver, evangelize, prophesy, baptize, and build up groups of believers as God allows. He is working through me as I'm surrendered to His service as an instrument of righteousness. And if you know me or get to know me, you'll realize that I take no credit for this, but God gets all the glory. In Christ I live, and to heaven I will rise. Thank you so much for tuning in, and welcome everyone. Hope you're well. I'm your host, Ben Lively, and you're listening to Shaken Awake, episode number 10. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in wherever you are and whatever you're doing right this very moment. And listen, if you find any value in today's episode, please pass the news, pass the podcast name and uh, link to a friend, a family member, uh, or colleague that you feel would benefit from the show and become blessed as you are through the words that the Lord shares through these messages. It's probably one of the easiest things you can do to spread the word. Just pass the resource on and let God do the rest. Just a note, if you haven't checked this show out yet at wwwshaken awake.com. Please do. It's got all the podcasts, a transcript of each along with some other items. And also, please connect with the show via LinkedIn or Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, and Twitter with more to follow. There's just great avenues and channels to spread the messages even further. And I'm using these channels to provide even more, more uh, messages throughout the week. So check them out if you get the chance. And uh, it was really nice to see that the uh, there's some listeners now from uh, the the United Kingdom. So all the way over in the UK, uh, our friends over there are getting a chance to uh, to listen and share in the messages that God has through this podcast. So welcome aboard and uh, spread the news. Glad to have you here. As always, I promise you another great show, uh, but more than anything, my hope for you today and always is that you have an actual encounter with the Lord. He's always right there with you, even when you think he's not. Uh, so let's get ready to invite him in with us right here, right now, and uh, allow him to speak directly to your hearts and, uh, and minds. Uh, today, I'm led to do something different. What is that you say? Well, I've switched up the topic for today that I announced last week. I know, I know. You're saying, no, we waited all week to hear about why do really good people go to hell and really bad people go to heaven. Well, let's just say it's for a good reason. 
And that reason is because the Lord has placed it on my heart to present another topic for today's show. In fact, uh, he wouldn't even allow me to concentrate on the topic for today as he normally does because he was telling me through the Holy Spirit that the topic could wait for another week, that he needed me to help someone now. I'm not sure if that's one listener or many listeners, but he was very loud and profound in his direction he was pointing me towards. I've been praying uh, over the past six months very hard to allow him to make it known to me when it's him speaking to me versus the enemy or just as bad my my conscience. So uh, basically to make it so loud and clear and undeniable that I truly and fully know that it's him. He knows I'm a big skeptic at heart. That's just the way he he wired me and my personality, so it's uh, not uncommon, or at least it wasn't prior to prayer and seeking his and the Holy Spirit's gifts, that while I believed he never talked to me, it was me who wasn't listening. I would dismiss his you know, nonsense or my own conscience getting in the way, or perhaps the enemy was tricking me or trying to trick me. So he's been answering that prayer clearly and loudly, and today was one of those days. No doubt today's message is from him and him alone. I'm just his mouthpiece and servant, and I serve him by serving you. So here goes. Here is today's topic. What you do on earth dictates what and where your eternity will be. So the point of today's episode that I really want to hit home for all of you is the one that God uh, revealed to me within the past couple of years and one that he's placed in front of me to speak with you today. And that is the enemy has his blinders on us even while we're saved. I think we can all agree and he stops at nothing to create division, hate, confusion, spiritual blindness, mental and physical sickness, uh, strife, disbelief, anger, sadness, depression, And really anything and everything that's not from God, correct? We've spoken of some of his deceptions as he is known as the master of deception. He even had the guts or stupidity, as I call it, to try and tempt Jesus himself. The sin against God, many times even. He's relentless. He tries to convince us he's not real. He tries to convince us hell isn't real. He tries and tries and tries, and he's had thousands and thousands of years to perfect his trade. He knows he's already been defeated, and he knows his time is running out, which is clearly shown in how bad the world around us is getting, seemingly by the day and the week. He is working overtime to claim as much of this world and those in it as his, rather than allowing them to go to the rightful uh, rightful owner, uh, Jesus Christ. So, Here's the deception he has on the best of us, the very best of us, not just the lost, one that he has had his grips on me personally since I was born. I'm going to use some analogies on this along with scripture so that the full blinders he puts on you daily can be removed. However, with that said, I cannot remove them, your blinders. Only God and his Holy Spirit can, which is why I fully believe He's directed today's message to me. He's got someone or several of you listeners in mind. So we spoke last week about the blinders that the enemy places on us surrounding the thought of death and how we have what seems like a million days 
left in our lives to keep us content. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, I definitely urge you to give it a listen. We also allowed science to prove what the Bible said about how quick our lives truly are and why our brains are wired to, quote unquote, ignore that we can die at any time, consciously anyway. So imagine, if you will, you have a short five-minute wait before boarding your cruise ship on the cruise of a lifetime, a year around the world, a stop on all continents, no expense spared, no expenses given. It was a gift. Everything you want while you're on the cruise is yours. No questions asked, no bills to pay, both on the ship and each time you dock. It's a true, no-holds-barred year of paradise uh, relaxation, stress-free, drama-free, care-free, anything you want or need given. It's a gift you have, and it's only five minutes away. However, the captain pulling the cruise liner into the dock radios into the attendant to make an announcement to the waiting crowd. He tells them to announce to the eagerly awaiting crowd that he's found out that a 1,000 people are waiting to board. But his cruise liner is only going to accompany 500. However... He's willing to allow all 1,000 people on board for the cruise of their lifetime if and only if they can make the most out of the next five minutes they have before it's boarding time. So in the next five minutes, there are things that are needed to be accomplished in order to be let on the ship. First is to believe they're going to get on because attitude and belief is everything. Two, they have to run and find clues that are all around them in open view and just follow the directions and finish the game or the race. His last words are, it's easy to do if you don't waste time and simply believe and follow the directions and clues. Five minutes will be plenty of time, he assures them. So the attending counts down. Three, two, one, go. Your five minutes starts now. So the attendant watches, as does the captain, through the captain's bay, and he notices some are hustling along, making good use of their time, holding their heads up proudly, exciting, you know, excited for the next year of pure bliss, and just following along the course, gathering clues, making it to the finish line. Some in under two minutes, others slower, around three or four minutes. But they also notice a large and significant portion of the would-be passengers just standing around, just looking around confused, snickering, thinking it's just a prank and a joke, while others are fuming mad that they may not have a chance to get on the ship. While others are so much in disbelief, they're just holding their tickets and waiting their turn, believing they'll be let on and just be one of the first 500 guaranteed to be let on the ship anyway, so they don't even budge or move. Five minutes is up and the time is called. The attendant radios in and the captain responds, let those that believed and worked to exercise their time wisely come aboard the ship first. So the attendant did just that. Next, the captain tells the attendant, let those that believed, and although they didn't work or really move with a purpose to um, to, to any great determination, they, they still did what was asked of them. Let them on board next. So the attendant did just that. Next, the, ta- the captain tells the attendant, let all those who hold tickets numbered 1 through 500 on board, those I invited. And although they didn't work to get on the ship, they believed that they were going to be let on. I have personally invited them first, so they will get on. So the attendant did just that. And lastly, the captain said, tell everyone else to go home. They won't be getting on board and enjoying the next year on board a luxury cruise liner. 
Everyone heard that and they began shouting, some crying, others beginning to riot. And many said, you just said you'd let up to a thousand of us on. There's room for us. We hold a ticket. Some of us simply took a bit over five minutes and others under five. Just like you said, let us in. And the attendant radioed back to the captain, what at this point is now a mob, what they were saying and the reasons they were saying to be let on board, which the captain replied, those not being let on board did not follow my instructions. Those that believe they did, did not obey the first part of the rules, which were to believe and have good attitudes, but simply went through the motions in order to earn their prize. Some thought they had it made and didn't even try. While others felt they'd be let in because they were good and they would just get what was coming to them. Therefore, they will not be let on the boat. So only 600 were let on the ride of their lifetime. While 400 got turned away and missed out on the opportunity of a lifetime and back to the regular lives they went. Guys, there is zero difference between this scenario and real life. In fact, I've watered it down significantly and intentionally to make the point even stronger, which we'll, we'll get to in a few minutes. Many of you understand the earthly parable I just told, and I have one more to share in a bit. Others understand, but it's not sinking in. So let me explain before I use scripture to show us what God himself says about our time here on earth, how we are truly saved, how to live our lives, and who does and who does not get to inherit the kingdom of God. Five minutes those potential passengers had represents the little time we have on earth compared to the 525,600 minutes they would have had during the year-long cruise which represents eternity. The activities and commands they had to follow along with the belief they were told to have, would have ensured they got on that cruise. But many, by simply not believing and or wasting their life by not allowing or following any of the commands, were refused entry. This represents what we actually do within the time that God has allowed, allotted us to believe in Him, to repent, to change our direction and, and course in, in life, follow His commands and gain entrance or not. The only difference between the story and reality is that the comparison between the time that we have and what eternity will be like is nowhere near the severity of reality, nor is the quote-unquote luxury of a cruise in comparison with being in the presence of God in paradise, nor is the repercussions of not making it aboard and being sent back home. So here's the reality. Think of a little dot, okay, on a piece of paper. Visualize its size in relation to the piece of paper. Let's say the dot represents a full lifetime. So by today's standards, that would be what? Around 80 or so years? Now picture the relation between the size of the dot. Let's say it's made from a pencil. So a little dot on a piece of paper. Picture the relationship between the size of the dot from the pencil and the paper to the size of the entire universe. The world, the air, outer space, the cosmos. How many dots would it take to fill up that space? Now imagine multiplying that number, no matter how astronomical it would be, and multiplying it again by that same number. That figure would still be just a whisper in the wind in comparison with eternity. The time we have on earth, look how old you are right now. How, how long does it actually feel like you've been alive? Has it felt like how many years old you are? Or does it feel like time has just flew by? 
by the way, how quickly is time passing nowadays? Just think how quickly 2020 just passed passed us by. Or the, or the fact we're almost halfway done with 2021 already. How much time do you think we have left? So we can easily see how five minutes is pretty relative to the time we have left here. Which, by the way, uh, we, we have no control over. It could be tomorrow, right? I'm not going to sugarcoat what the devil will. Yes, the rest of your life will be like another five minutes, but your brain doesn't comprehend it that way. That doesn't mean it's not reality. It is. Open your eyes and your ears and wake up. What we do with the time we do have once our eyes are open to the truth is what sets us apart from those that are truly saved from those that aren't, as well as the rewards those that are going to heaven will get to enjoy for eternity Versus the level of torment and hell those that aren't saved will receive. How you spend your life on earth will determine such levels and the place where you shall dwell forever. God's given us all a choice. The freedom to choose. The freedom to believe in him and Christ. The freedom to choose to believe in Christ. The reason for his death on the cross. The resurrection and forgiveness he offers and the need to repent. God has given us all a choice to repent of our sins, not just ask for forgiveness and continue the same sin. We'll we'll get to that in a moment as well. The point is, he gives us all a choice and the choice and the choices we make will either save or condemn us. How many people burning in hell and in torment right now with zero hope they'll ever be in a different place? How many of them would give anything to have just one more second on earth to believe, to truly repent, or to ask Jesus into their hearts. I'll tell you, all of them, except they cannot. In fact, God's giving you another chance right now to get right with him. That's between you and him. But the mere fact you're tuned into this, this podcast, as long as you're listening, is proof he gives chances and he gives you choices except he won't make them for you. You can choose to accept an act or ignore, deny, and remain lost. Every day, you're given another gift called life by God. It's another day he's allowing you to live for him, to believe in him, to repent, to have true faith and faith that's turned into works for him, to help others, to love him with everything in your being and to love all neighbors as much as you love yourself. You've got the same chance everyone in heaven and hell had while they were here on earth as you are right now, except their choices have already sealed their fate on where they're at this very moment and where they've already been for up to thousands of years, as well as the level of paradise or torment they're receiving now based on their eternal home. One more quick analogy I've heard by a gentleman named Ray Comfort. Awesome. Just awesome evangelist and street preacher and author, among other things. Look him up if you haven't heard of him before. Again, his name is Ray Comfort. His analogy is like this. Now, I won't do it the justice he does when he tells it or writes it, but he begins in an airplane where the flight attendant offers a man a parachute and says to put it on and you know be prepared of a, uh, for a plane crash. And he laughs and he throws it under his seat and thinks, why would I ever need such a silly thing? Well, a few minutes later, the plane sputters out of control. He goes down with it and perishes. Why? Because he didn't feel he had anything to fear or lose. So he didn't prepare or use what was given to him to save him. Meanwhile, on another flight, another passenger is handed a parachute 
by the flight attendant on his flight and is told by the flight attendant when we reach an altitude of 20,000 feet, which will be in approximately 20 minutes from now, the plane's going to break apart. And you're going to be glad to have this parachute strapped to yourself or it will save your life. So the man quickly snatches the parachute, pulls it tight and begins praying. When the plane breaks apart, he pulls the chute and is saved. He took the warning as well as the gift. He believed it would and could happen. So he was prepared for it and was spared because of his belief and by taking hold of the gift that was given to him. That's the reality between the lost and the saved. Same life, same uh, gift offered, different choices, different end result and outcome, right? Take the parachute the Lord is giving you right now. It's always good to go back to basics. So enough with the obvious. Let's move on to, uh, to some scriptures to back up what was just said. For God's word remains perfect and unchanging. So in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11, it states, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindles, the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Notice the word such. Such were some of you. You cannot continue the same vile practices that you held before being saved, or that would indicate you truly have not repented and are not saved. You're held accountable for your actions. You cannot be allowed to be sexually immoral, an idolater, an adulterer, a practicing homosexual, a thief, greedy, a drunkard, a reveler, or a swindler, and be allowed to continue and inherit the kingdom. For if you are, you are truly not saved nor repentant. In Mark 10, 17 through 31, and as he, Jesus, was setting out on his journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looked at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Notice, Jesus begins with the commandments to inherit eternal life. The man, whether he was lying or not, claimed to be not sinning against the Ten Commandments. So the Lord gives him, which is also you and I, another requirement. Unfortunately, the man does not want to part with what he feels is important in his life and does not follow Jesus. Guess where that man is right now and has been since he died. Moral of the story, follow nothing but Jesus and don't set anything above him in your life now or forevermore. In Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Notice the words, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. What is the will of the father then? Because if we know the answer, then according to Jesus' own words, we will know who will 
enter the kingdom of heaven from those that will not, correct? In Matthew 7, 21, Jesus warns us that those who do the will of the Father are the ones who will go to heaven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That is, no one is going to heaven unless he or she is doing the Father's will. The Greek word for does is a Greek present participle, which simply implies ongoing behavior, okay? The person who does the will of God once in a while does not qualify. Jesus is describing someone who habitually does the will of the Father. What's the most important will of the Father? Well, 1 John 3.23 tells us clearly that it's the will of the Father that we believe in Christ. Notice we're commanded to believe in Christ. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. 1 John 3.23. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men which by which we must be saved. That's Acts 4.12. Those who obey this command are called Christians. God desires that every man and woman believe in Jesus Christ, but not everyone will obey. So only by truly believing in Jesus Christ will any person obey this command and go to heaven. Period. So the message of Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 is that the Holy Spirit transforms or changes Christians so that they will do good works. It's important to understand that the one who believes in Christ does the will of of the Father. And then the Father transforms Christians to become like Christ. It's explained in Ephesians 4:13. And Philippians 1:6 reiterates this truth. It tells Christians that God started a good work, is still doing a good work, and will continue to transform us into the future. For I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. Philippians 1.6. So what is God's goal for Christians? What does God want Christians to become? Well, Ephesians 4.13 answers the question. The verse tells us that God is transforming every Christian to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That is, God is working in every Christian to make us like Christ. He's working to make us holy. And as a result, only Christians are able to do good works. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and then not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. Therefore, who will do the will of the Father? The answer is Christians. Only Christians, true Christians, can do the will of the Father. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes this happen. So now we're ready to observe Jesus' statement in Matthew 7, 21 to 23. In verse 21, Jesus warns us that on judgment day, only those who have done the will of the Father will enter heaven. So here's Matthew 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, 
you who practice lawlessness. So now we must ask, who does the will of the Father? There's only one group of people who can do the will of the Father and who will do the will of the Father habitually. We don't mean, we, we don't mean perfectly, but their pattern in life is obedience to the will of the Father. Therefore, we can and should conclude that the only people who are going to heaven are those who believe that Jesus is God, he died for our sins, returned to life, and because they're sinners, act in repentance and seek God's forgiveness. It's an act of humility and submission to Christ. Non-Christians are not obedient to God, and they cannot do the good works that are done by the indwelling Holy Spirit that is in the lives of believers. Non-Christians are not obedient and cannot obey God because good works are the work of God performed by the Holy Spirit. How a person lives their life is proof that he is he or she is a Christian. Only those who believe in Jesus and are depending on him for salvation will do the will of the Father. But notice, doing the will of the Father doesn't make a person a Christian and guarantee they'll go to heaven. That is backwards theologically. The teaching of the New Testament is that Christians do good works. Good works do not make a person a Christian. Consequently, when Jesus said, he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter, are the missing words. He was describing the character of a Christian and not how we how to go to heaven. My final question to you is then this. Who of you listening right now is he who does the will of Jesus' Father who is in heaven? My final statement is this. A wise person would not invest everything in something temporary. A wise person invests in something that will last. Invest your life wisely. You don't have forever. Finally, in one of the books I'm reading now, it's uh, it's called Tactics, A Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions. The author puts into words something that just blew my mind and, and resonated deeply. So I'm going to use it as it's fitting as, as I can conjure up. He says to the effect, I'm not here to save the lost. I can't, even if I wanted to. That's Jesus's job. I'm here to simply put a rock in your shoe. Wow. So folks, I hope this message put a rock in your shoe. Think about and reflect on what was discussed today. Does the shoe fit? And if so, kick it off. Don't wait another five minutes. You may not even have that much time left. So before we end today's show, I just want to thank you all again for tuning in. And I hope you were touched by God through today's message in scripture. I'd like to ask you a favor only if you received any value out of today's show. Would you tell at least one person you know, call them, text them, email them, talk to them, tell them to just to give the show a listen. It may just help them in their walk for Christ and, and their eternal homes. Also, I really need your support. If you could um, just give me a quick star rating on your phone app. It takes literally three seconds. I'd love that help and support for you guys, uh, which will also allow the Lord and the Holy Spirit to reach even more lives through this broadcast. If you would like to get a hold of me, 
You can reach me as well uh, if you have a life or eternity changing story you'd like to show, uh, share. Please let me know and I'll schedule you in. You can write me a note on www.shaken-awake.com forward slash contact or you could email me directly at ben at shaken-awake.com. Uh, I want your feedback, questions, ideas, criticisms, requests, corrections. If it's important to you, it's important to me. So I'd love to, uh, your help where, where I can with this. So next week, tune in next week evening, uh, Sunday evening, or whenever you're able, as we dive into another important topic. Why do really good people go to hell and really bad people go to heaven? This topic subject is uh, subject to change if God desires. I'm sure that disclaimer goes without saying. Uh, next week's episode is another powerful and do not miss episode. Thank you for joining. Until next week, take great care of yourself and each other and God bless you all. 